Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston. I'm by myself today once again. I was by myself yesterday. I'm by myself today. I'm not entirely by myself, though, because I'm sitting here hanging out with the Fed Haters Club. Join gmail.com. But those are the people that get to hang out with us every day of the week when we do a show uh, live and comment on all the stuff that we're talking about and really just change the direction of the show. I mean, the show would be completely different if we weren't sitting here every day hanging out with these fine people. Some people love Chuck. Some people hate him. Uh, that's the co-host if it's your first show for any reason. Um, there's fine people on both sides. So you can join up and be on whichever one of those sides you would like to be on. Um, I don't have to do a really long show today. We're just, I got to put together the, uh, the radio show, and I've already got most of it put together. Um, I don't exactly need... Uh, a whole bunch of content, uh, but I do have a lot of stuff actually to talk about. So we'll just see how this is going. The first thing, um, the first thing I'll mention is I guess I'm supposed to mention because everyone else is mentioning uh, this guy, Aaron Bushnell, who uh, self-immolated uh, in front of the embassy there in Washington, D.C. in protest of the uh, American involvement, U.S. involvement in the Israel-Gaza war. And I'm seeing a lot of hot takes on this thing. Uh, everyone's got some kind of a, an opinion on it. Um, I don't have that much of an opinion on it other than I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't uh, support any of you or anyone that I love or that I know in my life uh, doing this to protest something that you disagree with. Uh, we get together every day. Uh, Charlie and I get together every day and we get together with the Fed Haters Club and a whole bunch of other people that are uh, very upset about things that are going on around the world and things that our government are doing. And uh, we, I, I tend to believe that continuing to speak about it uh, and, and sway people over to your side is a better long-term solution. Now, this might awaken some people to the idea uh, that he had uh, of course, as he was doing it, he was saying free Palestine the whole time. I mean, it's a it's a it's a brave protest act. Like what what else do you what else do you call it? I mean that that uh that takes some bravery, I guess, and and also a little bit of uh, you know there's something going on behind the scenes there with this guy in his life because I think that there's other ways, other means of doing things uh, like this. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to have the uh, desired effect. Uh, you know, if, if one American dying is enough to sway the population and the U.S. government away from the way it conducts itself in foreign affairs, uh, then we wouldn't be doing almost any of the things that we're doing overseas. So uh, that's really my main take on it. I did, however, see an article towards the top on the Washington Post and the headline that I just thought was gross. Uh, now, this guy had the beliefs he had about the Israel-Gaza war. I've got the beliefs I have. There's people who are more supportive of Israel that have the beliefs that they have. I don't think that means that you have to call this guy crazy or try to find ways to uh, cut him down in, in any way. I think you can argue on the merits, but you know, posts that I've seen from some people online, uh, I just think are... I think that they're really sad to see after someone does this. I, th I thought Ben Shapiro's post was rather disgusting, honestly. I didn't bring it in today to talk about it. Uh, maybe we'll do it on Dumb Bleep of the Week. Um, I, I, I don't agree with what's going on in Israel and Gaza right now. Uh, even if you believe that they have the right to defend themselves from what happened on October 7th, which, which they do, everyone has the right to defend themselves when an attack like that happens. Uh, just purely on the basis of whether or not this is something that's going to work and going to have the desired effect. Like if you just looked strategically at what they're doing and you even wanted to ignore the 30,000 people uh, estimated that have died, a lot of them, among them, women and children, we all know this. Um, even if you wanted to ignore that, if you wanted to fight for Israel's right to exist and to live peacefully in the world, I think that this is going to what they are doing is going to have the opposite outcome. I think that they are creating more terrorists than they are killing. I think that they're at the end of this entire thing. There will be more people around the world that wish Israel harm than there were to begin with. 
And I think overall it's going to have a very negative effect. Uh, but this guy in this article headline from the Washington Post, I thought was rather disgusting. Here's the article headline. Airmen who set self on fire grew up on religious compound had anarchist past. So I'm not going to go into all of the article and all that where they just explain his background and interview his friends and stuff like that. But most people only read the headlines of articles anyway. And to any uh, normie who's just perusing the web or going through their favorite online publication and they see, well, this guy grew up on a religious compound and he had an anarchist past. What are you supposed to come away with uh, from that article headline right there? What you're supposed to come away with is this guy's crazy. Even, even before he was uh, suicidal or had these uh, specific ideas of doing what he did, the guy had a crazy upbringing. He has crazy ideas. He grew up on a religious compound. Uh, he's uh, had an anarchist past, I guess maybe not an anarchist uh, anymore, or wasn't that the time that he died? I don't know. And you're basically just supposed to come away with the idea that this guy's crazy. And why, why is it that they would have an article headline that would so obviously be crafted to lead people to that determination on this guy? It, it's because instead of talking about why he did this and the reality of what Israel is doing, uh, the reality of what's going on with uh, with our involvement and the civilians that are dying in Gaza or anything like that, which we, we hear a lot about. Instead, what you're supposed to see is, oh, this guy, I mean, he was protesting. He set himself on fire. Oh, he's crazy. Okay, I see. I see what happened there. All right, well, so then I don't need to consider any of his ideas. I don't need to consider why he did it. I don't need to consider uh, whether or not he was right uh, in his beliefs anyway, because this guy's just clearly crazy. And then I'm just going to move on to the next article about Joe Biden eating ice cream or something like that. So that part, that part really bothers me. And to see that from mainstream media is not exactly surprising, but what are you going to do? We'll get back to the show in just a second, but first I want to tell you guys about our newest sponsor, Hillsdale College do you guys study history or economics or the meaning of the U.S. Constitution in school? Okay, maybe some history. Maybe you went over the Constitution a little bit. Definitely not any economics. But even if you did, it's probably time for a refresher. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses on the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. Personally, I recommend you guys sign up for Constitution 101, the meaning and history of the U.S. Constitution. In this 12-lecture course, you'll explore the design and purpose of the Constitution, the challenges it faced during the Civil War, and how it's been undermined for more than a century by progressivism and liberalism. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. Enroll now in Constitution 101, because our country needs more Americans who understand the Constitution and can defend the freedom of the American people against the encroachments of an increasingly large and unaccountable government. Go right now to hillsdale.edu gml to enroll. There's no cost, and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu gml to register, hillsdale.edu gml. A little bit of Russia talk here for a second. A confusing turn of events uh, with this whole Alexei Navalny guy uh, dying in the Russian prison. So it came out uh, yesterday that the uh, that Ukraine is saying that Navalny died of a blood clot, like lining up with what Russia said. And I'd been scratching my head and trying to find a way to make this fit into one of my conspiracy theories. And I just can't, I just can't get it to work out. I'm trying so hard to make this fit into my, my conspiracy theory was that he was killed by someone other than Russia in order to uh, drum up support for uh, our involvement with Ukraine and more specifically giving them more money. And, you know, that's my idea. 
on the matter because I couldn't find a reason that Putin would do this specifically right now. Clearly, he wanted to kill the guy. They had already tried in the past to kill the guy. So I'm not saying that's not something Putin would do. The timing was just weird to me. You know, Congress is in recess. They're trying to get the 60 billion. Why would Putin do this right now? And so that was my little conspiracy theory on the matter, although I didn't have any uh, facts behind it or anything. But now Ukraine is saying that it was a blood clot, which is what Russia said it was. A little bit more details on this. Kirillo, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say that. Budinov, we're just going to call him Budinov. Chief of the main directorate of intelligence, HUR, H-U-R, of Ukraine's Ministry of Defense, has said that Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny died of a blood clot. Quote, I may disappoint you, but as far as we know, he indeed died as a result of a blood clot, and this has been more or less confirmed. Budinov told journalists on the sidelines at Ukraine Year of 2024 Forum on Sunday. Uh, he added, this wasn't sourced from the internet, but unfortunately, uh, natural causes. Earlier, Navalny's team reported that his body was finally handed to his mother after more than a week since his demise in a remote Arctic colony. And so when I'm trying to figure out, all right, what's the truth behind this thing? Because I, I don't trust anything that anyone says uh, when it comes to politics really at all. But if anyone, if, if anyone has a motivation to say that Putin killed Navalny, that, that that was a, at his direction and that he was poisoned or anything, if anyone has the motivation to say that, it's Ukraine, clearly, because they would be the biggest beneficiaries of America continuing to fund their war. And so for them to come out and say, oh, no, actually, it's what Russia said it was. Now, I haven't done an autopsy myself. I don't actually have all of the uh, scientific data on this. I'm just saying that that's what, that's what this guy's saying. Budinov is saying. Uh, quote, Alexei's body was handed over to his mother. A spokesperson for Navalny's team said on X, uh, his team has already argued that the Kremlin was trying to block a public funeral, which could turn into a show of support for Navalny's movement and his opposition to Putin. Initially, Russian authorities claimed Navalny's death resulted from natural causes following his loss of consciousness during a walk in the prison colony. Uh, his team denounced officials' initial refusal to release his body, Navalny's team, uh, their refusal for days to let his mother even see it, accusing them of trying to cover their tracks. Now, it's not that you, I, I'm not, I'm not going to claim that there's, that there's no way of killing someone by making them clot, making them form a blood clot. I mean, there are medications that uh, will do clotting. So I don't know, could be something like that. I don't know if you could prove that it was or was not natural. I just think it's interesting that Ukraine's coming out and saying that. Even more interesting on top of that is that this Budinov guy, according to the New York Times, belongs to an elite unit that was trained by the CIA. Um, the, uh, the head of the main intelligence directorate of the Ukrainian Defense Ministry, Budinov, was a member of the elite unit, uh, Detachment 2245, which was trained by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. There was this big expose that we need to go through sometime this week from the New York Times talking about the secret war that's been going on with uh, 12 secret uh, CIA spy bases in Ukraine. It's kind of a weird turn of events where everyone was saying that this was completely unprovoked. And then we're going to say, well, yeah, actually the CIA has had secret spy bases and we've been doing some crazy stuff to Russia over the last 10 years. We'll go into more detail on that. So on top of that, this guy has very, very, very close ties to the CIA. I would uh, venture to, uh, I would speculate that he, he works very closely with them, if you know what I mean. And so then that's him working for Ukraine, working with the CIA, coming out and saying, yeah, it was a blood clot. What do you guys make of this? I find it to be pretty weird. I'm pretty surprised that this is the information that's coming out right now. I'm willing to be wrong with all of my speculation. That's fine. I have no problem, but what about all the people that went out there and said that it was clearly Putin who killed this guy, that he was clearly involved in his death? That's kind of weird. And then for people with ties to the CIA to be coming out and saying this, I don't know. Speaking of Russia, we'll spend a little bit more time on this one right here. Um, saw this article headline yesterday. This is already starting. This is already starting in preparation for the election. Uh, there's there's going to be different excuses as to why, if 
Joe Biden loses as to why Joe Biden lost. And here's one of the main ones. We've seen it before. Uh, here's the headline from it, from NBC News. Um, Russia's 2024 election interference has already begun. So yes, we have the Russian election interference narrative starting up already. It's only February right now, but it's already starting up in preparation for the election. I highlighted a bunch of portions of this article because what you'll find is they start off by telling you that they're already starting to spread this information. And then the rest of the article is about how, well, they're not actually doing anything, but they could do this stuff. And then at the end, they say, well, they actually don't have to do anything because the Republican Party is doing it for them. The point is the headline, because people are going to see the headline, their 2024 election interference has already begun. And then in the first couple paragraphs, the first paragraph, the first words are Russia is already spreading disinformation in advance of the 2024 election, using fake online accounts and bots to damage President Joe Biden and his fellow Democrats, according to former U.S. officials and cyber experts. Well, man, aren't those people that we can trust when former U.S. officials and intelligence officials come together to tell you that a specific thing is happening. Shouldn't you just trust everything that those people say? Like in the lead up to the 2016 election, where we were told that Russia had swayed the election. Then we got things like the Twitter files coming out, where they were basically forcing Twitter to try and turn over some type of evidence that Russia was doing some type of a disinformation campaign leading up to the election. And Twitter was like, yeah, I can't find anything. I can't, I can't see that. We don't have anything like that. We're not finding that stuff. And they're like, find the stuff. And so they found some accounts, people with no reach at all. And then that was all compiled into a report and said, yeah, clearly we have evidence that Russia is trying to interfere in the election. When you look at the actual numbers, you find that they, they reached hardly anyone and they didn't have any effect on the election whatsoever. Sure, they're trying to do, of course they're trying to do stuff. We, our, our, whole foreign policy is to meddle in people's elections. So I'm not going to act like Russia is any different either. And I'm not going to act like we're any better. Uh, continuing in the article, the dissemination of attacks on Biden as part of a continuing effort by Moscow to undercut American military aid to Ukraine and U.S. support for solidarity with NATO, experts said. So we get our first two paragraphs. You lose about 95% of the people after the first two paragraphs mostly everyone is just going to see the article headline and then they're going to hit share for the rest of the article. They go on to tell you about how none of this is actually happening. They're just worried that it's going to happen. Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan said Sunday said on Sunday that there's plenty of reason to be concerned about Russia's trying to interfere interfere in the 2024 election, but that he couldn't discuss evidence related to it. So he's concerned about it but he can't tell you about any evidence that they have that they're trying to do this. He added, we're going to be vigilant. U.S. officials and experts are most concerned that Russia could try to interfere in the election through a deep fake audio or video using artificial intelligence tools or through a hack and leak, such as the politically damaging theft of internal Democratic Party emails by Russian military intelligence operatives in 2016. This is where I point out to you that this Russian hack and leak operation, which by the way, they said the Hunter Biden laptop story was to begin with. And that wasn't this Russian hack and leak operation from the DNC was just leaking true information that it turned out the voters wanted to know. Now the democratic party didn't want people to know about that, uh, but they're leaking true information uh, about public officials and political parties, stuff like that. I'm going to take a detour here and talk to you about Julian Assange for a minute. In this conversation where I was defending Julian Assange and uh, talking to people on the Libertarian Party page uh, about that meme that we talked about on last week's uh, Dumb Bleep of the Week, um, people tried to point out to me that Assange might have been a Russian asset or that he might have been working for the Russian government for WikiLeaks. Uh, so this guy said Assange requested Russian security guards while hiding in the Ecuadorian embassy. That's not in itself any proof that he was working for Russia. He could have been requ requesting security guards that had an interest in keeping him alive. 
because there were other people around the embassy that wanted to kill him. So that's not in itself an example. They uh, posted an article that said, Ecuador concluded that Assange has ties to Russian intelligence. Has ties to Russian intelligence. Well, sure he did. I'm not even going to argue with that. What if he did? Well, let's just say he did, actually. Let's just say he had ties to Russian intelligence. I'm bringing up Assange because they talked about the DNC emails in 2016, which was leaked to WikiLeaks. And so there's a connection there. And we'll get back to our Russia article. But my point on this, and I don't know what you guys think on it, was that I, I don't care if he was working for Russia with the stuff that he was publishing or that WikiLeaks was publishing. U.S. war crimes? I don't care. I don't care if he was working for Russia. And that... And that light, thank you, Russia. If, that, if it was them, thank you for letting me know about my government uh, committing war crimes around the globe. And thank you for letting other people know about that as well. Um, I said he exposed crimes committed by our government that the world needs to know about. And on principle, ties to foreign intelligence shouldn't matter. The guy's response to me was, um, I don't care what apologists for Russian spies think. So we're even. Do you simp for all genocidal regimes or just Russia? So that's the response. You know, I'm simping for a genocidal regime. That's not what I'm doing. The point here is that it shouldn't matter whether or not Assange had ties to Russia when he was leaking things for WikiLeaks, the DNC emails, or even when it came to the U.S. war crimes. What if Russia had a motivation and incentive to try and get those things out into the public because they're working against, because they're working against America? I don't care what their motivations are. Those were secrets that were being hidden from the American people and the rest of the world. In whatever way they got exposed, I'm happy that they got exposed. I don't care if the person was being funded by someone that was bad. But it, it doesn't change the content of the information that made it out there in the public. So I don't, I don't like, like someone just said in the group, I don't care about the source. I just don't. Let's get back into the article. Sorry, I just wanted to take a little detour on that since we talked about the DNC emails thing. Guys, are you the same guy you were 10 years ago? Because I'm not. I woke up one day and realized I didn't have the same energy, the same lean muscle mass, or the get up and go in the bedroom I used to have. As we age, we lose testosterone. They call it the man hormone. I call it the spark from my nateness. But there is a solution. The powerful testosterone booster in Nugenics Total T. I've only been taking this for a few weeks, but I can already tell you it's boosted my energy. I'm running around fixing stuff in the house, going on walks, and yes, I've even started working out. And by the way, my wife says this is none of your guys' business, but the Nate she met 14 years ago is back in the bedroom, if you know what I mean. Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock and re-energize your life. Prove it to yourself risk-free. Try Nugenics Total Tea before you buy. There's nothing to lose and everything to gain. New energy, muscle, drive, and even more passion. Get your complimentary sample when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword GML. Nugenics Total Tea's Power Boost is backed by clinical studies and real science. Nugenics' key ingredients like testophen has been shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. In other words, it's based in science and it works. Nugenics Total Tea's unprecedented formula with key ingredients that safely maximizes your free and total testosterone levels, helps you increase lean muscle mass, and skyrockets your performance as you age, whatever your age. If you're not totally satisfied, Nugenics will refund 100% of your purchase price, plus shipping and processing. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword GML. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast absolutely free. Text 231-231 and enter keyword GML. Text 231-231 and enter keyword GML. Texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. Number one, doctor recommended brand by primary care physicians based on an independent survey conducted by IQVIA 2022. So back into the 2024 election interference is already happening from Russia. Those influence operations often create matching accounts on multiple sites, which vary drastically in their moder moderation policies. Accounts from one pro-Russia campaign that Meta cracked down on late last year 
an English language news influencer persona called People Say are still live on other platforms, though some are dormant. A People Say account on X is still visible. So see, this is where Russia is already spreading disinformation about Joe Biden and trying to get people to not be supportive of giving Ukraine more of your money. But it only has 51 followers on X and hasn't posted in almost a year. Its counterpart on Telegram, which Telegram has become a home for some Americans on the far right, is still actively posting divisive content. Ooh, divisive content. We can't have divisive content out there. And has almost 5,000 subscribers. So I want to get this straight to you. The one organization or person that they use as an example or evidence in this article is a persona called People Say, which has 51 followers on X and hasn't posted in a year. And they have 5,000 subscribers on Telegram. And they post divisive content. Dangerous stuff. Very dangerous stuff. In the 2022 midterm elections, Russia primarily targeted the Democratic Party to weaken U.S. support for Ukraine, as it most likely blames Biden for forgoing a unified Western alliance back in Kiev, according to a recently released U.S. intelligence assessment. In what appears to be an effort to deepen divisions, Russia has amplified the political dispute between the Biden administration and Texas Governor Greg Abbott over security at the Texas border over the past month. Russian politicians, bloggers, state media, and bots have promoted the idea that America is headed to a new civil war. So if Russian bloggers and politicians and state media talk about this dispute between the Biden administration and Texas Governor Greg Abbott and say things like we're heading into a new civil war, things that even people in America are saying, well, that's Russian interference in the 2024 election. They say bots, but they don't give any more information or evidence on where these bots are, how many followers they have, how many posters been, how many people are getting viewed, or whether or not the bots are even posting about incorrect information. What if the bots are amplifying true information, but it's just stuff that is contrary to what the Biden administration wants everyone to think? In that sense, once again, I don't really care. I really don't. But all the stuff highlighted in here. But there's so far no sign that Russia's disinformation operation in Texas has had any significant impact, said Emerson Brooking, a senior fellow at the Digital Forensic Research Lab at the Atlantic Council. The bigger threat to the 2024 election, Brooking and other experts said, could prove to be artificial intelligence-created fake audio. None of these things are things that are happening, by the way. That's why I highlighted in this article, if you're watching the video, every time they said could, could, might, most likely, scenario, unclear, all of these things. None of these things are happening. They're just speculating wildly about things that Russia might want to do. In an article that says that Russia's 2024 election interference campaign has already started. Most of this article is about hypothetical scenarios about things that Russia could do leading up to the election. Why would they do this? They would do this because you want to start slowly implanting in people's mind the idea that if Donald Trump wins the election in 2024, he is once again not an, a legitimate president, that he was once again held by Russia, he is once again a Putin plant. If he doesn't want to support the war in Ukraine and send them more money and stuff like that, that's because he's doing the bidding of Putin, stuff like that. It's to go ahead and sow this idea in people's minds so that's the first thing that they default to. Not only, I mean, that's aside from the fact that this whole uh, insurrection clause thing and him getting removed from the ballot is also going to make a lot of people upset when he doesn't get removed from the ballots and the Supreme Court rules that he can't be removed from the ballots. They're already going to be saying that he's illegitimate because of the insurrection on January 6th. Uh, an orchestrated deep fake or leak may not unfold on the national stage. Instead, it could target a particularly crucial swing state or district, experts said. It might aim to discourage some voters from going to the polls or sow distrust about the accuracy, accuracy of ballot counting. The most likely scenario will be hyper-personalized, localized attacks, uh, said Miles Taylor, who is a former uh, Trump administration Homeland Security official. Deepfake audio, which is easy to create and difficult to detect, has been used in a recent in recent elections in multiple countries, in the U.S. last month, 
a fake Joe Biden robocall told New Hampshire Democrats not to vote in the state's primary. Uh, it's been recently discovered that that was actually a Democratic operative. Uh, I think someone actually uh, who used to work for the Phillips campaign, something like that, uh, that wasn't Russia. Notice how they try to tie this into Russia. They start off by saying that it's likely that Russia could try to do something like this. The most likely scenario could be this. They could do this. And then they point to uh, evidence that this has happened in other countries, but it wasn't done by Russia. It was done by Americans or by other people in their countries. So they're trying to tie in that idea that somehow this could have been Russia doing this. Not, not explicitly though, like there's just trying to build that pathway in your mind, you know, when you think about those things. Two days before Slovakia's parliamentary elections in September, a fake audio clip reported to show the leader of pro-Western political party discussing how to rig the election. The audio was eventually debunked, and it's unclear what effect it had on the election, but a pro-Russia party opposing aid to Ukraine won most of the votes. Now, they just said it's unclear what effect it had on the election. It was debunked. But then what they say is a pro-Russia party that opposed aid to Ukraine won most of the votes. And so the idea would be that this pro-Russia party did it, maybe even by, on behalf of Russia, or they are, they are working for Russia or closely aligned with them, or they at least share the, the, the same viewpoints and desired outcomes, uh, and that they oppose aid to Ukraine, and that's the party that won most of the votes. Well, that's going to be similar to what happens if Republicans win a lot of elections and those Republicans are opposed to aid for Ukraine. Doesn't that mean that they were somehow swayed by some kind of Russia influence in this election? These are all the pathways that are supposed to be building in your mind right now if you're in the very small percentage of people that actually read past the headline of the article. And then, because they don't have anything else going on right now to talk about, because there's not that much stuff going on and they can't specifically tie anything to Russia, they just go on talking about past things that Russia did. Only on top of that, they can't even prove that Russia did these past things. They have to start off with the word alleged, alleged, alleged Russian information operations against Ukraine over the past two years opened a window into some of the Kremlin's tactics. A study published by uh, Wednesday by the Slovakian cybersecurity company found that a pro-Russia campaign has been spamming Ukrainians with false and dispiriting emails about the war with claims of heating and food shortages. Well, these countries are at war with one another right now. Uh, in a coordinated effort near the start of Russia's invasion in 2022, cyber attacks temporarily knocked key Ukrainian websites offline while residents received spam texts telling them that ATMs in the country were down. Yes, these were things that happened in preparation to Russia rolling tanks across the border. Uh, that's, but they're trying to tell you, like, well, these are things that they could do in America. <laughs> Leading up, sure, they could. Do we have any proof that they're going to do these things? No, not really. In the U.S., though, Russia's propaganda themes are now often echoed in comments from some Republican lawmakers and pro-Trump commentators, including the portrayal of Ukraine's government as deeply corrupt. See, these are just pro-Russian disinformation campaigns. When you hear these Republican lawmakers and pro-Trump commentators portraying Ukraine as being a corrupt country, who would ever think such a thing? I mean, leave out the fact that we just had a, another report of, you know, a stolen $40 million here, people getting fired here because of corruption, uh, you know, Joe Biden actually admitting that he had to get that prosecutor fired because of corruption. There's no corruption in Ukraine. And it's in fact the most pure government that you've ever seen in the history of the world. The adoption of Russian state rhetoric in America's political debate is a victory for Moscow, experts said. Putin's goal is to spread doubt and division among Americans. You see Russian state rhetoric like we should not be giving Ukraine any more money. That is already spreading in America right now. And this is a victory for Moscow. So anyone who parrots any of these talking points is once again just succumbing to some type of Russian disinformation campaign or you're just by default doing the bidding of Moscow. There's no reason that you would possibly think that the U.S. is $34 trillion in debt and we got over a trillion dollars in deficit every single year and that we shouldn't be given another $60 billion to another country. No, you're probably more likely to be 
someone who's influenced by Putin or doing his work anyway. An equally nice outcome, this is a quote, an equally nice outcome for them is just what we had last time, where a third of the country doesn't believe the vote. Democracy is questioned. The system gets questioned. So they don't necessarily need to see their guy win to have it be a good outcome for them. See what we're living in right now, where people are questioning the 2020 election. That's actually what Russia wants. It can't be that people actually have legitimate questions about the 2020 election. I don't go down the route of actual ballots being changed or votes, physical votes being stolen. But there was definitely election interference on the part of the actual U.S. government and the mainstream media. I, I don't think that you could even argue against that. It remains extraordinarily difficult for a remote cyber attack to take over voting systems in the U.S. and change vote counts. The American intelligence assessment of the 2022 midterms found no indication that Russia had tried to hack into election systems or ballot counting that year. A former CIA directorate of operations official said the Kremlin would most likely, most likely, once again, see trying to penetrate U.S. voting systems as a low-risk undertaking. Don't see any reason why he wouldn't do it not presenting information that they did do it, that they have been doing it, that it's actually happened in the past, that it's actually affected our elections in the past. It's just important to put someone's opinion in there that they don't see why Russia wouldn't want to do it. Still, U.S. officials and disinformation analysts say Russia's ability to ma manipulate voters shouldn't be overstated. When it comes to spreading disinformation and fueling distrust in election authorities and election results, the biggest threat comes from within America's fractured, polarized society, not from the outside. And then they go on the last par couple paragraphs to say that they're actually skeptical that Russia would feel the need to do any of this stuff because Republicans are already doing these things. Do you see the mind journey that you would take a reader that read, the, that read this article that actually went past the headline the kind of journey you would take them through as they were reading this and just absorbing all of it into their brain, if they weren't looking to be skeptical of it the entire time, but they were actually trusting the news source and just trusting that this was all, you know, factual and on the up and up. You start off by telling them that they are trying to interfere in the 2024 election, that we are worried uh, about the things that they are doing. And then you say, here's one thing they're doing that they've got an account on X that's got 51 followers that hasn't posted in a year. And then they got 5,000 followers on Telegram. That's the only thing that they mention in there. And then they talk about a bunch of things that could possibly be done just to try and whip up some fear for you. Just be scared of all these possible things. Look at this robocall thing that happened in this, in this current primary election. It was actually done by a Democratic operative. Uh, in, in America, but whatever. Uh, don't, don't pay attention to that. And then they say, but don't even worry about that. The true threat comes from Republicans because Republicans are already parroting what Moscow and Putin want them to parrot. And so once they get you whipped up about how Russia is going to steal the election and they th throw in a bunch of things that you should be scared of and they get you thinking about the downfall of America, they say, but the Republicans are already doing this. Anyone who disagrees with the Biden administration is already doing this. Anyone who doesn't want to send Ukraine money is already doing this. Anyone who says that they are uh, possibly a corrupt country, that they're corrupt officials that are misspending, misusing our resources that we're sending them, they're already doing this. So those are the people that you should actually be worried about. I just, you know, sometimes I'm impressed at the... Uh, psychopathy that happens sometimes, you know, just the pure evil that comes out of the mainstream media. So what you got to do when you read stuff, anytime you read anything, just be skeptical of everything that you read all the time and try to figure out what their actual motivation is behind it. That's all you can do. Uh, before we uh, get out of here today, because I didn't plan on spending 35 minutes talking about Russia to begin the podcast at all that in my mind, that was like a 10 minute conversation that turned into a 35 minute conversation. So that's fine. I listened to the entire uh, two and a half hours of oral arguments on this social media case that's uh, before the Supreme Court and uh, that they're going to have a judgment on coming up in June, I'm pretty sure. I thought it was pretty interesting. I didn't hear any great arguments on either side, honestly. But the, the gist of this is that 
Florida and Texas both have similar laws uh, that essentially say you can't ban users or censor users based on their political viewpoints, and you can't ban candidates or censor candidates uh, for elected office, public office. I, I happen to disagree with those laws, even though we have seen plenty of censorship. This podcast has seen plenty of censorship uh, from these companies. You've probably heard us talk about all that plenty of times before. Keep in mind when you're thinking about this case that this is different from the government was messaging with these companies back and forth and telling them to censor people. That is a separate case that the Supreme Court will also be hearing and that they will be making decisions on. This case is actually about, truthfully about, the people who run Facebook deciding that they don't like what this person said or that they consider this to be misinformation or whatever and censoring specific posts, whatever it is, or, or banning Donald Trump from their platforms. Uh, that This case is specifically, specifically about those companies without any direction from the government making those decisions on their own behalf. Um, I disagree with the way that they have used those policies, clearly. It has affected us greatly, and even if it hadn't affected us, I would still disagree with that. However, I think they have the right to do it. I am a pure, staunch defender of property rights. I don't even particularly like the fact that this is being argued even on First Amendment grounds. The argument that's getting made right now is that this is a form of those companies' speech and that the uh, state governments are coming after them and telling them that they must change their speech and the way that they curate their platforms. You know, so it's getting argued, it's getting argued on First Amendment grounds. I wish it was just getting argued purely on private property grounds, but I'd, the case would have a different outcome uh, if that were to take place. But I don't think you have any right to post or not post. I mean, you got a right to not post. I don't think you have any right to post and have your stuff viewed on other people's websites. I'm sorry. I just don't. Anything that you post is like being in their house. Uh, you're on their servers, on their website. So you're on their property and you were asking to control, you're asking the government to control how they deem the way that their property is going to get used and who can use it. <clears throat> I believe that businesses have the right to refuse service. I, I just do. And that extends all the way to social media companies who would just silence me in a heartbeat and have before. And Charlie also, but he's not here. I guess it worked. <laughs> you know, a um, couple things on this case. I won't go through this whole article. I'll play the Ron DeSantis video of him describing this. And maybe that will give us a few more arguments to make here. Supreme Court's going to hear argument this morning about whether big tech has a right to censor you for political speech that it disagrees with. Florida passed protections three years ago for individuals who've been deplatformed or censored based on the content or viewpoint of their political speech. Texas passed a similar law. This has been waking its way through the courts. We knew it was gonna end up at the, floor, at the US Supreme Court. This is a really important issue. Uh, these tech companies on the one hand are private and normally a private company can house whatever speech or viewpoints it wants. In this case, these companies get liability protection from the federal government because they say that they're not publishers. They're not making editorial judgments about what speech is good and what speech is bad. They're just a platform. And so they shouldn't be held liable for anything that somebody puts on there. Well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So we're going to be looking to see how the justices react to these laws and less important than the individual provisions because we did this three years ago. We were the first state to do it. I think there's a lot that can be worked out, but the principle is going to be, you know, does big tech have a right to just simply censor uh, regardless of any protections for the consumer? And you look at things, things like this Google AI Gemini, what a disaster that is. That's the way of thinking that the people that operate these companies are going to have. That is not going to be good for robust political discourse in this country. And in fact, what they're doing is creating just totally fictitious 
very ideological narrative. So it's going to be an important day. We knew this day would come. Uh, whatever the, the the court decides, you know, we're going to make sure that we're doing everything we can to to ensure that people have a right to speak in these public forums. Uh, we want more speech, not less speech. You know, I uh, I agree with some of the stuff that he said. I think what some of these companies have done uh, is terrible. And you know what I would argue as a free market advocate? I would argue that someone should buy a competing social media company and allow people to speak on that that aren't being allowed to speak on the other platforms. That's what I would actually argue. And in fact, that is what happened. And that happened after these uh, laws came into effect. At this time, uh, Twitter was still owned by the previous ownership and they still had a very heavy censoring regime. And what happened? Someone came in and bought them change the name to something stupid. And then people have a lot more free speech, still not complete free speech on the platform, but a lot more free speech. And there are uh, many more people using Twitter than there were ever before. You see it blows the other people out of the waters and the way that it's uh, growing and growing and the amount of posts that are on it and uh, engagement and things like that. The point is you want the actual market to solve these problems. Like if a private entity, a private business is deciding that they are not going to uh, provide a service to a specific group of people, what you want in the market is for someone else to come in and say, I'll do it. And maybe I'll even do it better. Maybe you'll have a better time on my website too. Maybe it's going to be awesome, you know? And that's exactly what happened. I think there's been some pretty bad arguments that have made, like this guy from Johnny Maga right here, who says SCOTUS appears poised to strike down state laws that prevent social media companies from deplatforming users. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh is folding. Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito are standing strong. But yeah, it does sound, I mean, I listened to all the arguments today and it, it sounds like they're going to strike down these laws. Then he puts in a quote in here from, from Thomas. And Thomas asks, can you give me one example of a case in which we said that the First Amendment protects the right to censor? And that is a, essentially, I guess you can say what they are arguing right now. Uh, they're calling it content curation. Uh, you know, they're, they're curating their website. And I think that that's a better way of discussing it too. You know, uh, Facebook, we'll just use them as an example, is, is curating, curating a product. Like they are creating a product. And the product is the Facebook digital space and mainly the product is you because the buyer is not, is not you. You're not the customer. The customer for Facebook are businesses who come and run advertisements on there. You're actually the product on these websites. And that is really what people should be arguing. In my opinion, nothing involving speech or anything like that. It should be arguing, no, you know, this is a product that Facebook uh, cobbles together to sell to advertisers and we have to make sure that we don't have anything that's going to chase away any of our business and that we are modifying and controlling this product to make it into what we want to uh, to sell to this group of people. And that would be a better philosophical argument, in my opinion. Um, when he says, can you give me an example of a case in which we said the First Amendment protects the right to censor, meaning the First Amendment would protect Facebook's right to censor, um, the First Amendment and the rest of the amendments are uh, the rules for the government. They, they say the government can't do things. And so does the First Amendment protect your right to censor? But the First Amendment says that the Congress shall make no law, that the government cannot compel speech, that they cannot abridge your freedoms of speech and religion and press and all the things that are in those things. So I, I don't understand that line of questioning whatsoever. Facebook is not the government. There is a separate case, and I think people have kind of combined these on the way that they think about this. There's Facebook, you know, you could say woke Facebook or big tech companies and stuff like that, and they're going to censor things in the way that they truthfully want to censor them based on their ideologies to the extent that they can without making too many people upset. And then there's also the situation we have where the government was telling them to censor people or suggesting while also letting them know that uh, we could do some antitrust stuff and we could take away Section 230 and we could do that, you know, clearly letting them know that we have control over you. 
And so you better do the things that we want you to do. Those are two separate things. The question is whether or not can they on their own, you know, in their own free minds, can they decide that there are some things they just don't want to be on their website? I think that they can. And I think that it's dangerous to say otherwise. I think that something like this standing and the Supreme Court saying that this was okay opens the door because if you give the government an inch, they're, they're going to take 34 trillion miles. And so I think that this opens the door to government control over all of our social media that we all use to talk all the time. Because if they decide that this is something like a public utility, which is what the argument that actually Florida and Texas is essentially making, that these are common things like utilities, how many regulations are there on public utilities, common carriers, as they call them? How many regulations are there on those things? What do you, what do you think the government's going to do once the Supreme Court essentially, if they were to essentially rule that these people were common carriers like, like Verizon? Or like the, the phone company, if anyone actually has a phone or whatever. No, you don't want that. You're going to end up getting the opposite of whatever it is you think. And whoever's controlling the government is going to take this in directions that you do not want it to go. That's all I got time for today, folks. Thank you for hanging out. I had a good time with you. Good talk, good talk. Um, Charlie's going to be back. Don't worry. This is the last day where you only get me. If you enjoyed today's show, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children, tell all those people uh, that they need to search out and subscribe or follow Good Morning Liberty Podcast on their favorite podcast app. Find us on YouTube. Find us on X for sure. That's, what we, that's where we spend most of our time. Uh, so find us on X, Good AM Liberty, because Good Morning Liberty was too long of a name and GML was too short, apparently. I have a sec separate gripe with that because, you know, AOC has AOC and I tried to get GML and they said that was too short. So that's unfair and I'm going to take that to the Supreme Court. All right, folks, we will talk again soon. I uh, do all those things I just mentioned. And until next time, y'all have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. <laughs>